1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for the fine folks at Blue Wire. Joining me tonight, my co-host, managing editor over at Niners Nation. No, no, no. Managing editor over at the beast that is Niners Nation, KP, Kyle Posey. What's going on,
2: man? What up? Yeah, man. Just got done watching, watching my son's lifelong fan here. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> no i'm not much man just enjoying it uh hope you had a good weekend Uh got out to san diego and away from the heat so that was fun how about you how was your weekend man
1: uh it was good dude um i mean it was father's day weekend we had to uh, first of up uh, first off i have to apologize for as if my voice isn't bad enough on the regular you know the whole kermit and ray romano thing but um Right now, as you know, I just started coaching football this summer camp, and I do not have my coaching voice right now. So I'm going to have to go through that phase of losing my voice and then building it back up so that I can uh, talk like a coach. So uh, if if I sound raspier than normal and a bit more nasally than normal, then I apologize because it's just my voice going through the normal transition back into coaching.
2: Are you a um, rock guy? Are you a, a yeller, a screamer out there?
1: No, not really. I just, I naturally can talk pretty loud. I mean, it, it was probably a habit I learned in the military and, you know, but I, I'm not a screamer. Like if, if I get loud, it's, it's, to it's for hype. You know, like I'm not a negative guy, you know what I mean? So it's just like, I, I you know, that. I've just been talking at an elevated volume for a while. So hopefully it doesn't take too long, but so anyways, those of you listening, I apologize for however horrible my voice sounds, Um, but I'll get there. Um, My weekend was good, dude. I I mean, it was father's day weekend. My dad actually left on father's day uh, with my mom to go to Hawaii. They, uh, they have a condo in Hawaii that they bought. They literally paid off their home and then bought a condo in Hawaii. And so they, they like, and they're not well they're both teachers they're not like particularly well off but they just replaced their house payment with a new one. So um it was I mean it was cool though. I I still haven't been there as sad as that is. Um but yeah they're in Hawaii now they'll be there for a month so I got to hang out with dad before that. Uh we cool. we did some stuff and he did some barbecue. How was your uh, San Diego trip, bro?
2: It was cool, man. I met up with some uh just some friends, some old friends, some family. Uh took the daughter to the amusement park. Got to the beach. It was cool just to to get away from triple digit weather and to see overcast, which not used to Oh that. man. Yeah. I love overcast, bro. Best weather, right? I swear that's the best weather. It's the best football weather too. Yep. hundred percent. It was overcast. It was like high sixties, low seventies, so couldn't beat that at all. No complaints. That's awesome. I uh
1: I looked at the weather for Hawaii right now. Like the Hawaii right now, it's like the high for the next like eight days it's like 83 degrees every day and the low is like 64 degrees every day like it's like it fluctuates like one degree just on a daily basis by
2: looking at that by the way
1: i know man i know because kp and i kp KP's in arizona i'm in central california we bear we're both dealing with very very similar weather right now it's it's consistently in the hundreds but it is what it is it is what it is um 49ers i mean still finding random ways maybe it's more of just the nfl in general giving us something to talk about uh the the going storyline right now is tom brady talking about being courted in free agency and saying like kind of like i quote you know really they're gonna they're gonna choose to keep this mother effer and and and, you know it's kind of talking about being passed up on and of course 49ers Twitter thought it was all about them. So everybody thought that Tom Brady or suspected Tom Brady was referring to the 49ers electing to roll with Jimmy G over Tom Brady. And I know, I mean, I briefly mentioned it to KP before the pod. I'm not buying it. KP, what
2: do you think? Yeah, man. Just think about it. Jimmy didn't leave New England on bad terms. He never had any beef with Tom Brady. We've seen them at like golfing events together. Uh, wasn't it – weren't they at the Derby a couple of years ago? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And think about the way Belichick talks about Jimmy. Jimmy is like their long-lost son. So I, I just could never imagine a situation unless Jimmy were to come out and say, F Tom Brady, like with, in public, where there would be a scenario where – Uh, there's just that kind of backlash. But, yeah, everybody thinks it's always about them. Everybody – it doesn't help when, you know, there's a large portion of 49ers fans who are not happy with the way their quarterback has played. So it's easy to say, oh, he's got to be talking about Jimmy. And then when national media talking heads double down, it's like, see? But, uh, man, not ideal. But, again, I don't think it had anything to do with Jimmy G. If anything, it was probably talking about, like, car if we want to talk about former Bay Area teams. Um but even then I, I just don't think it is this big of a deal. You can tell it's the offseason. You can tell it's June. When are worried about a quote from Tom Brady when there's no context and we probably won't find out the real answer even when the episode does drop.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean I, I could see it really just doesn't matter. <laughs> like now that now that I, the more I absorb it, it's just like man, this is just this just doesn't matter. But You know, I could see him saying that about somebody like – if you're not going Bay Area teams, like somebody like Chicago who like rolled into the season with like Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky and Chase Daniel or, you know, like I could see him saying that about a team like that. But he's not going to say that about his former teammate that by all accounts and purposes uh, he got along with extremely well. Jimmy G never took his job. Jimmy G wasn't responsible for him leaving.
2: It was – it's just silly to think he's talking about Jimmy G. I – I got nothing fresh off a Super Bowl, too. Like it's it's not as if they just won, you know, the four games or whatever it was the season before, uh, they just came pretty close to winning a ring. So yeah, I I just don't see Tom Brady talking down on his guy like that. Right. Right. Right.
1: No, it's all good. It happens. It happens. Everybody knows that noise. Um, I mean, I guess in, in like kind of like housekeeping news, uh, Jordan Willis got suspended six games. I suppose we should mention that, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. What the heck, man? He's why does this team swollen? always do this? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Not the not the biggest hit, you know. I mean, he, but he was for sure part of the rotation. You know, like he would he was gonna get snaps. I I I figured he would make the team. You know, along with Nick Bosa, Samson Ebukam, um, maybe D. Ford depends kind of on where, where he is. What other edge guys are around? I don't know. Yeah, but like they signed Arden Key, but
2: was he going right, right. to do anything? So he, he played in seven games, and still, when he was playing, he, he, you could see there was something there. There was enough there where you would give him another chance in training camp at least. So, yeah, it, it, right. it just stinks that they won't have, you know, the bottom – those guys at the bottom of the roster to be able to um, contribute. Because in 2019, when they were dominating, when they were kicking everybody in the mouth, Um, they had, you know, the Ronald Blair is coming off the bench and there wasn't much of a drop. There was an obvious drop off, but the drop off wasn't that steep.
1: Right. Yeah. And in that position more than any other position is just all about continually kind of getting fresh legs in there. So a little bit of a loss, not a huge loss, just weird, you know, just goofy. Um, it's, it is what it is. The 49ers just have some, some luck, you know, they have some, some weird, just a weird thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Is there any other teams out there that NFL fans feel this way about their team? I just feel like the 49ers are one of those cars that, you know, you have pushed to the brink and every day you turn it on, you're just hoping and praying that something new doesn't break. And that's what I feel like the 49ers are. You know, like, they're, obviously they're a great team with great players. I'm not saying they're like a rickety old car, but it, it feels like, you know every morning when you when you turn on your phone for the first time it's like you won't be surprised if there's some sort of injury news with the 49ers like you just won't be
2: it's it's just a weird vibe right so Warren sharp sharp football stats tweeted out something today and it had the winning season since 2003 and the 49ers are tied for third with four wins four winning seasons since 2003 so we talk about injuries a lot and i know Under Kyle Shanahan, he didn't – the team just didn't start getting hurt because he came along. So what I was going to ask is, do you think – how should I phrase this? Do do you think we just give the team too much credit because it's not like they've been this dominant team – over the past two decades, essentially. But when they are good, like, think of those four seasons. They're going to the freaking Super Bowl. I like, know. They're right there. So, it's it's either all or nothing. I just found that fascinating, man, just knowing um, that this team is, is – yeah, it's Jekyll and Hyde. It
1: really is. And, and kind of just – that's a great way of, of kind of summarizing everything about this team. Like, it's so hot and cold. Like, when it's cold, it's fucking freezing. And when it's hot, it's, it's white hot. You know, like, it's just a weird – Thing and it's cool, you know, it's cool that the 49ers have competed in two Super Bowls semi recently, you know, one to the NFC and all this stuff. It's great and it's semi recent, but at the same time, it's just kind of marred by the fact that they've been absolute shit every other year. So it's like you can appreciate it, but at the same time, you're like, man, can we just consistently compete and, and just be even if it. Obviously, you don't want it to be at the cost of being great, but at the same time, you're like, man, like I know this team, especially right now, is capable of competing at a high level, but it's just one thing after another after another. It's just weird, dude. I don't know how to quantify it. I don't know if there's any other teams out there that share that same, I guess, bad luck, but it is is what it is. It's there. I, I just don't know how to quantify it.
2: Yeah, they can't seem to outrun it because it's been going on for a long time. So it's not just one or the other person's fault. It's not the training. It's it's everything. It's everything about the team.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird thing. but
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So I guess kind of blending that into what we're going to talk about today. KP texted me earlier today, and he's like, "Hey man, you want to just do some like some predictions, some stuff we could see happening throughout the season, and this can include the offseason as well. So some bold predictions, or just some some solid predictions. Whatever I, you know, it, not everything has to be total hyperbole and out of this world. But so I mean, lead us off, KP. What are you? What were your thoughts, and and blend, and take us to your your first uh, whatever whatever you want to call it."
2: Yeah, so just bold predictions. What what I would how I wanted to phrase it is what will we be saying come the middle of the season, end of October, early November, that the team should have done back in the offseason? And I'm thinking about the positions that we always talk about. So and I was watching some 49ers today, and just to get an idea of some of the guys, but I kept coming back to Kendrick Bourne who, ironically enough, in the game that I watched, it was Washington, and they had a ton of drops in that game. But he was also open a lot in that game. And that is what resonates more for me. So I'm just wondering, are we going to be saying, come November, how do they let Kendrick Bourne get away for essentially a million dollars a season, knowing that there is no clear-cut number three on the roster? Because if you remember, in that game, Um, On the play where Chase Young scooped and scored for a touchdown, the receivers on the field, they were Ayuk, they were Bourne, and they were one river Craycraft. So the names that they were playing (laughs) with on offense last year, I mean, they didn't deserve to be – they had no business being on the field is what I would say. But the injury bug, knowing the injury bug and knowing what you get out of Bourne, and yes, the drops were – I mean, they were there. But he also made a lot more plays. And I just kept coming back to him getting open, him running good routes. And, man, I just – they they have to really love hurt is what it comes down to. Or they just want to see – I don't know. Like, who else is on the roster that they would rather see overborne? Because Richie James never truly beat him out in a competition. And he had an opportunity, I imagine. He's not – he's nowhere near as consistent as KB, I would say. He obviously has the higher ceiling. He can run after the catch. But um, just going down the list, going down the roster – this guy over KB, like this guy over, Like, what did you see here? And it, it's going to come back to Jalen Hurd is the man, the myth, the legend going to stay healthy and produce. <laughs> but if he doesn't, man, uh, we are, we're going to be asking some questions midseason. or is it another scenario where the team makes a move for a veteran white out? And like we saw with Emmanuel Sanders. So what do you think about that? Do you think they're going to be, Uh, We're going to be looking back, like, what happened with KB? Because he's going to have an opportunity to play in New England, and he's going to put up stats. And if he does, that will even come back to look even worse, you know, on the Niners.
1: Yeah, I think the big thing with not bringing KB back with me, and and for the most part, I kind of understood why they were going to do it, but I also understood why they did it under the assumption that they were going to kind of address the wide receiver position this offseason in some way. Uh, You know, like, I, I pegged them for maybe one or two receivers during the draft. You know, like, and, and they really didn't do much at all in that position, other than an undrafted free agent. So, it, it really, to me, the loss of KB kind of ref- like it makes me think of the things around him. Like Debo Samuel, can he stay healthy? Because if you lose him, not only were you in a predicament trying to replace KB, but now you've moved instantly moved beyond that. Have you replaced Kendrick Bourne? Because if you haven't, now you have two receivers that are just kind of in the air. So to me, it, it, the it's just the fact that the receiver position's operating kind of precariously on a on, – you know, it, it could go either way and it really only takes one injury from, you know, Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk hasn't really shown much. I mean, obviously he had a little bit there. But from Debo Samuel, who's kind of struggled to keep himself in game shape, be in the right space when it comes to his body. So they're just kind of rolling the dice there. And I don't know if I like it. So – I can feel that, man. And it's not that – we're not saying that Kendrick Bourne was like, oh, my God, how can you let him walk out the door? We're just saying you're losing a very, very steady and reliable part of your offense. And that's something that can bite you in the butt pretty quick. Oh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, my first prediction, and this kind of has to – and this is just me. We joked about before we hit record that I was like, dude, all my predictions are positive. And (laughs) KV's like, well, I could be the the bad cop. I was like, all right, so – Um, my first prediction, and this is, this has nothing to do with the actual season, but I'm going to just be, you know, like head in the clouds, nothing can bring me down type positive here. I'm going to say the 49ers will not suffer a single additional season ending injury for the rest of the off season through trading camp.
2: Jesus, Rob. (laughs)
1: I <laughs> know you
2: said bold. I am maxing this out right now. You took it to another level before we even we didn't even work our way up. Okay, no, why do I, you think this? Tell me
1: because it just can't get any
2: worse. <laughs> like this
1: shit that this team has gone through over the past couple of years is just unbelievable. And I just think, and, and I as I say, the team should turn a corner there's already been three season-ending injuries so far. You know, they already lost Justin School. They lost Jeff Wilson Jr. They lost uh, Tavarius Moore. So I'm just like, you know, like let's just throw some good luck on the situation, some some hopes and prayers, and maybe it'll work out for them because at some point it just has to change. There are teams that routinely go the offseason without a single season-ending injury. Like it happens a lot like it happens a lot. Now, there are plenty of injuries that you hear about, but at the same time, there's still so many teams that go through the offseason without a single single season-ending injury. The 49ers have always had already had three. I'm saying they're done. They're going to be able to be healthy going into the week 1 and that is as positive as it gets for me. That I'm just doing my best to sprinkle a little fairy dust on the situation. And hopefully the 49ers can make the best of it. That's, and there's no, I have no stats to back
2: this up. I'm just starting, that's what I'm starting with, all right? Well, we know that they are one of the most injured teams because Football Outsiders Adjusted Games Lost consistently has them as one of the most, te- one of the teams that just loses the most. But just look across the way in the division, the Rams, since Sean McVay took over, they've been one of the least injured teams. So you think, knowing that Shanahan and McVay are buddies, why doesn't Kyle just call up Sean? Hey, what are you doing? Just show me the way. That's what I would do if I were him. Because yeah, the Rams are legit. I think Football Outsiders had them as the second least injured team in 2020, and that just you don't hear about these season-ending injuries that the Rams suffer. So whatever they're doing, I would do. But no, that's a that's a crazy way to start us off. Man.
1: <laughs> must be a must be a Southern California thing versus a Northern California yeah, yeah. thing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right, right, ma'am. what's your next one?
2: All right. I think the 49ers should not have waited until the third round to sign a cornerback. I also think that we will be saying, come midseason, why didn't they invest in a cornerback? Like, why wasn't there – obviously, they brought back Jason Verrett. But Jason Verrett's making – his base salary is like $2 million this season. So it's not like they opened their checkbook to sign a premier corner – they are betting on Verrett, who, as if you've listened to any of these episodes that I've been on, you know how I feel about Verett. I've followed his entire freaking career. Uh, he hasn't played double-digit games since before this past season, that is, since 2015. There is a lot of gaps on his resume, and there is an assumption that he is going to return. Uh, sure, obviously that he's essentially 2 years removed from injury now since he was hurt uh, pretty early in that 2019 season that you're hoping that you know the further he's away from injury the more that he stays healthy but he also just turned 30 father time has not been kind to cornerbacks who turned 30 so the hope is that he stays healthy but that is that's all you have you have hope yes he was phenomenal last year but then you look on the other side. You have Manny Mosley, who had an up and down season. I thought he played better than given credit for, just because you know he's going against the best of the best. But uh, it's him. It's K1 Williams, who's missed time too. That's another guy who we're assuming that he's just going to play uh, sixteen games. But when is the last time that has happened? Like K1 Williams consistently does miss time. That's not me knocking the guy. It's just that's what's been happening. So um, I, I don't know, man. I thought there would be a, a bigger investment early in the secondary so yes they drafted safeties and cornerbacks but these are all day three guys and i'm not going to give them credit for that what do you what do you think or is the secondary going to be a need come the middle of the season because the reason i say that it feels like that's been the case the last few seasons where you know the younger guys are having to play like the marcel harris marcel harris is the Terraris moors they're having to be on the field earlier than or just you know more often than you what you like
1: you know I agree too and and for some reason when you when you said when you said that predict, prediction to me before we started recording I thought you said quarterbacks I was ah. like I was like oh okay quarterbacks cool man like I guess they could have added one uh, <laughs> but they got Jimmy and Trey but but the corner thing I completely agree with I I do think now you know could Emmanuel Mosley, Jason Verrett, and Kwan Williams end up being great. Yes, absolutely. But that's on the very, very bright side of things. And you're talking about, you know, an Emmanuel Mosley that struggled with injuries last year. And when he was healthy, was like borderline getting benched um, by multiple players. You know, yes. Kella Witherspoon kind of stepped in in front of him. And you would think that Emmanuel Mosley, when Kwan and uh, what, was, uh, what was the guy that replaced – K-1 last year, the Torres ACL. Uh, Jamar Taylor? There you go. I was thinking Taylor, but I was about to say Julian, and I was I knew that was a different <laughs> 49ers player. Um, you know, and, and they brought in Dante Johnson, which he actually didn't play that bad considering what we've seen from him. But so essentially, you know, you had two chances for Emmanuel Mosley to get on the field once he regained his health, and he couldn't. So – you're kind of counting on him to both stay healthy and play well across from Jason Brett, who you're also counting on to stay healthy, uh, you know, in uh, surrounded surrounding Kwan Williams, who you're also counting on to stay healthy. So it could very easily be great, but it could just as easily all come tumbling down. And the I 49ers think- could be in a very rough spot there.
2: Like essentially what I took this off season as is, hey we're, we're getting nick bosa back we'll be okay that's what it uh it essentially seemed like so they signed samson become but he's never really rushed the passer full time they're hoping for bosa to be bosa and javon kinlaw to take the next step so they might be fine if that were to happen and i'm not saying this team is going to be like a bottom 15 defense i still think they're going to be in the top 10 probably in that 5 to 10 range in a lot of stats which is still really freaking good especially. If the offense is, you know, as good as we think it will be, but cornerback is such an important position. And if he, as we saw week one, shoot, when you have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and you don't have anybody to stop him, good offenses are just going to eat you alive, man.
1: Right? Yeah it's it's gonna be. They're just walking a fine line at so many different spots that I, I guess you always are as a team. You know, there's a there's so many positions and so many teams out there that are one injury away from really being a different team, you know, obviously you can point to quarterback. That's easy, but at a lot of spots, you know, it's, it's just the way it is, but it feels a bit more precarious for the 49ers than it usually does. So it could be bad, but taking, you know, allowing the good cop to step in and brighten everybody's day up a little bit, (laughs) I think, and this one doesn't even feel bold to me. doesn't even feel bold. I think the 49ers are going to have a top five, I guess it's a little bold, a top five offense and a top five defense this year. I think they're going to have both. Both of them? Wow. I think both of them are. And I don't care if it's Jimmy G. I don't care if it's Trey Lance. And obviously that, that depends on health on both sides of the ball. Um, but I, could, I just have this weird feeling about this year, and I could be completely wrong. I just feel like you have a lot of guys – at every position that have some experience, you know, as long as they can stay healthy. I think Jimmy G, if he plays, he's going to be pretty good. I think if Trey Lance steps in, I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, You know, you've got George Kittle's healthy, Brandon Ayuk's out there who I'm expecting to take a massive step forward. I think, and it's another one of my predictions. I think Raheem's going to have a huge year, especially with somebody like Trey Sermon kind of breathing down his neck a little bit. You know, I expect I expect the defense to just be insane. Like, I think, again, how many times do I have to say if everyone stays healthy? I feel like that is like the San Francisco if everyone stays healthy. You know, like that, right. that should be their name instead of the 49ers at this point. But it's just so much talent all over this team. And if everything just clicks a little bit, they could be really good. You know, like – This team could compete against the 49ers Super Bowl team, no problem. Ooh. You know, like, there's just not a whole lot to not like there. It's just nice. Now, one of the biggest things is, you know, Sherman was playing at a a better level, you know, and then you had um, someone else I was just thinking of that was prominent. Obviously, Jimmy G. But – it's just, I I, I see good things for this team in its current state that can change in an instant, but this defense to me is going to be pretty relentless. I think it's going to be whatever, if the defense takes a step back from what it was in the super bowl or from what it was last year, I feel like the offense is going to be taking a step forward, which as we know, in its own way is, is defense, you know, a great offense is its own defense. So um, I just see big things, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they were top five in both categories. And if you want to back off that a little bit, maybe top seven, but like, I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be really good.
2: So in 2019, uh, the 49ers were seventh in total DVOA. They were eighth in passing DVOA and seventh in rushing DVOA, so you're right on pace there. They've always They've been an explosive team these past couple years, even though last year they had nobody, but the fact that they were fifth in explosive passing plays was something else. So let's go back to 2019, third in net yards per drive. They were fourth in uh, points per drive. So they are moving the ball and putting the ball in the end zone. Um, and then on defense, obviously, you know they're first or second in just essentially everything. But I don't think people gave their offense enough credit that year for just being as efficient as they were. So you think that they could rival a lot of those numbers. And my follow-up to that would be higher ceiling, Jimmy or Trey Lance. And I, and I don't care about week one. I'm not talking about week one. I'm talking about when, you know, they have their legs under them, when they're in a groove, when we know who the third wide receiver is, whether that's, you know, Richie James, or if they just have IU Debo and Kittle, obviously, or – you know, all the offensive weapons are in in sync.
1: So you're talking about like higher ceiling, let's say like after week eight, you know, like. Yeah, you're yeah. not talking about like week one. Ah, man, that's tough to me, dude. Because in no way am I any sort of like a, a Jimmy Garoppolo homer. I, I, I'm, I was fucking pumped when they drafted Trey Lance. Right. Like, I can't right. wait to see what that offense looks like with him in it. But I think Jimmy G's got the higher ceiling all year long.
2: Ooh, I like
1: it I think he's got it all year long and to me that's not that flattering like trey lance I think he's gonna be good I, he could be very good just from you know and that and that goes beyond his skill set just from what I've heard about the personality and what we've heard about the way he handles himself um he has kind of the intangibles to just take himself as far as he wants to take him and we already know he's got the physical skill set we already know that's there you know the the, the arm strength the, the the just the body type the you know the frame it's all there but he's still a rookie and yeah. he still is entering into one of the most complex offenses in the NFL. And it, it, to me, Jimmy just has too much experience. And, and to me, even if that's mediocre, good, you know, goodish, whatever you want to classify as Jimmy Garoppolo, that's a lot of very like high end experience. Like Jimmy Garoppolo has gone through the playoffs and competed in the Super Bowl. So it's, you can't just be like, that shit don't matter. It, it's, it matters a lot. And he's got a, I mean, how many years, he's got a, what, a four-year head start on Trey Lance in this offense?
2: Yeah, man. Like, you can't just
1: discount that. So I'm just, for this season, I would think Jimmy G has the highest ceiling as far as just what I would expect both players to achieve. Now, if you're talking ceiling, the, the, you know, for Trey Lance, it's like, that's way higher than Jimmy G's, but we're talking this season, you know what I mean? Like the heights that I think if you would have said two years, then I feel like my answer would be Trey Lance. And I wouldn't really think twice about it, but I think this
2: season, I think that's fair to give it to Jimmy, but what do you think? Well, there's going to be an, it's inevitable that Trey Lance is going to go through rookie growing pains. Like he's going to make a throw. That's going to make you scratch your head. And who knows? Like he might have, it seems like that. You're right. (laughs) Right. That is fair. Yes. (laughs) But who knows? Like for a rookie, you would imagine it's not going to be a Justin Herbert thirty-one touchdown, ten interception type where he throws over four thousand yards. It's probably going to be closer to what we see from every other rookie. So, uh, like Tua, Tua was eleven and five, and sure, he his touchdown interception ratio, but it's not going to be like that low. It's going to be somewhere in between. I imagine I, I have a hard time be, because. I know the type of play caller Trey Lance has, and he's going to put him in advantageous situations. So he's going to be throwing two open guys because Jimmy has been doing that this entire time as well. And knowing that they have a stacked offense around him, I would not be surprised to see Lance have, you know, a very good Kyler Murray type of season where they're always playing ahead of the change, which is what really matters. But I don't know, man. I, I I am always a little leery about giving rookies too much credit, no matter what I think about them, because a defensive coordinator, they're going to throw everything at them. They're going to throw looks that they haven't seen. And just with Lance not having played that year, I don't know how much that is going to affect him. So if you were, if someone were to tell me, Trey Lance should start week one, he's better than Jimmy. And let's just, you know, let him learn on the fly. And by week eight, nine, 10, the 49ers will have an idea of who he is and that way, you know, their offense will be humming. Sure. Understood. If they all, if you were also tell me, Hey man, Trey Lance is, he's struggling a little bit. He's not consistent and we need to roll with Jimmy. Jimmy is, you know, even kill and he's looking sharp. He's looking healthy after coming off the knee or an ankle. And that would make sense to me as well. So I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer, but it's just fun to see or just to hear everybody talk, talk through it, I guess.
1: Yeah, it, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if Trey Lance, like, had one of those, like, holy shit, like, this guy could start now. And, like, Kyle Shanahan and John Wrench were like, start making calls because we just <laughs> need to get this guy in there. Like, it wouldn't, that wouldn't shock me. Well, but what I, calls I, you know,
2: could you make?
1: I don't you know, man. I get to me at this point. I don't know, dude. That's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Tw- 25 it million, man. Right. It could just it could be all over the place. I just don't know, looking at the way the current teams are. You, the 49ers are probably hoping, you know, obviously it would all stem off how Trey, Trey Lance looks in the offseason, but probably hoping for like one of those Sam Bradford scenarios where a team's quarterback gets hurt and they have to trade for somebody like that and give up more than they want to give up uh, because the other team has all the leverage. You know, I, they would – that to me would be the main precursor to somebody – offering the 49ers more than they could turn down and you know you think about it that doesn't even have to mean that trey lance looks amazing true if if somebody just offers the 49ers more than they feel like like they'd be stupid to say no to then you just roll so yeah
2: even if it's like closer let's say jimmy is ahead 65 35 or whatever it meant whatever it is and yeah, that might be enough to pull the trigger. If knowing that you won't be able to recruit that same some guy some playoff
1: team that had aspirations, their quarterback gets hurt, they call about Jimmy G, and they're like, "Dude, we'll just give you our late first. Like it sucks. Just and they're like, "Okay, yep. <laughs> shut up and take my money." Right, right. It's like that scene from Moneyball when he when he just hangs up the phone and he's like, "I think he was going to say something else," and he's like, "When you get the answer you want, hang up." Yes, <laughs> I love
2: that. That's great. You should know all the one-liners from that movie.
1: Right? I know, man. I know. It's bad. It's awesome. Okay, so did you have another
2: prediction? So I think that investing in their offensive line, Alex Mack specifically, will be the reason that the 49ers do have a top five offense this year. Yes, Trey Lance I love that. has a chance to yeah. be awesome. Yes, Jimmy G will probably bounce back, but – Having five guys up front who know what they are doing is going to go a long way for this team. So not sure what Aaron Banks is going to look like. Um, He could be great. He could be average. I'm expecting him to just be consistent. But knowing that Alex Mack just doesn't make the same kind of mistakes that Daniel Brunsko would make, who, I mean, the dude was playing in the AAF a couple seasons ago. So it's it's tough to be too down on him. But the upgrade. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, the upgrade from Mack to brunskill just as far as knowing who to block and pass protection, um, knowing where to go, getting to your spots in the run game. I just think that signing is going to be what takes the offense to another level because now the quarterbacks are going to have time to scan the field. Now the running backs may have that cutback lane. now. The running backs will be able to stay on their path a little bit longer because they don't have to avoid somebody in the freaking backfield because there was miscommunication up front. So – uh, that's going to go a long way for these guys. I think I think that that will pay off in even
1: more dividends. I th- I, I, no matter what, you you got a huge upgrade along the offensive line. That I, I I love that you brought that up because I don't think the offensive line and the moves they made there get enough love. You know, I think sounds like McGlinchey had his oh shit season, yeah. and he's going to do what he's got to do. You got Aaron Banks, uh, you know, it, it, you got all these guys. that just and Lincoln Tomlinson and Trent Williams are they'll probably be even better. You can expect them to be even better than they were last year, just based on a, you know, um, a cohesion, uh, a camaraderie standpoint, knowing what each other's doing. Uh, that should be more. And then, you know, Alex Mack, a guy like that, that is what you want to have if Trey Lance starts, more so than Jimmy Garoppolo. Not that Jimmy Garoppolo can't benefit from a guy like Alex Mack, but, the you know, Trey Lance stepping up and having a truly veteran center like that that can take – a lot of the stuff that Trey Lance may have been used to doing in college, off of his plate, you know, like that's that's a
2: huge oh, yeah. deal, man. The less he has to think about, the better. Like to, the to have a veteran center in meetings with you to talk through things, right? Uh, or while you're at practice to you know to go over, hey, did you see it like this? Well, hey, I saw it like this. So yeah, that that is just such a help for as far as the learning curve goes.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I like that, and it was positive too. Welcome. welcome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I was um, watching uh, in the game, the, the game that I was watching. Uh, Mullins took a drop. Legan Thompson rides his guy out of the gap where he's trying to go. Mullins runs, it drifts into to the left, right to Thompson's guy. Thompson gets charged with a sack. There's no way that that play would be on Thompson, but because you don't have a quarterback who Knows what he's doing, for lack of better words. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it look it makes Thompson look bad. So uh, the trickle effect um, for the offensive line just with having, you know, healthy guys up front would be great for them. What do you got? Where are you taking us next?
1: Um, I'm going to go back to my – I'm going to keep it on the positive side because, I mean – Maybe the reason all my shit was positive was because I was just done talking about negative shit with this team. Like, like I already feel bad enough for them. Like, it just <laughs> seems like there's always something. And I'm just not going to kick them anymore. But I'm going to go back to my boy Raheem. And I am going – because I feel like everybody is jumping on the Trey Sermon bandwagon. And that is by no means a bad thing. I, you know, going jumping, deep diving into Trey Sermon was like, one of the more positive experiences I've had with a draft prospect in a while. Like, there he just does. Player. Yeah, he just does some really unique things that you're not used to seeing from a running back. But I think people are forgetting a little bit just how good Raheem is, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I feel like having somebody like Trey Sermon, who obviously by his draft position and his talent level, uh, you know what the 49ers think of him. You know what they want to do with him. You know they at least want him to be, um, you know the the number two. You know the 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 right hand uh you know, and with Raheem being the left. But I think Raheem's going to come out. i he's going to have a. I think he's going to have a huge year. And I put. I don't know if, if I should ramp this up. I think that Raheem Moster is going to account for over 1,400 all-purpose yards. Hello. So I think that he – I could see that panning out like something like 900 to – maybe like 900-ish to 1,000 rushing. And then adding in, I don't know, a reasonable three or 400 yards in the pass game. I don't think that's that crazy. But I just feel like, especially with the fact that if Trey Lance steps in there, that makes the 49ers want to run the ball even more. Um, the receivers, they, they're they good. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuka are good. I, I especially – Assume Brandon Ayuk will be good. But I still think the 49ers are just going to want to run the ball a lot. A lot, a lot. And I think that Raheem is going to stay healthy, and I think he's going to have a huge year. So I'm going to go with 1,400 all-purpose, and you can kind of mix and match that how you want. He's obviously not nearly as much of a a receiving back as as he could be, and that could be just based on utilization or whatever. But I think he's going to have a big year. I think he's going to do Raheem things and bite off – 60 plus yard plays
2: like they're nothing and big, big year for me. So my bold prediction heading into last season was that he would play so well that he would garner MVP attention. And the first two games, like 90 yard gain, 90 yard gain. I'm like, told you, told you, told you. And then he just got hurt and he was never really able to uh, bounce back. But in that same Washington game today, He has speed unlike anybody else when the ball is in their hands. Like some guys can get to top speed, but he gets there within like a step and a half and he maintains it. And linebackers have zero shot. They have no chance of getting a hand on him, which is why I just hope to God that he stays healthy because he's fun to watch because you're not really used to seeing someone move that fast with the ball in their hands.
1: And he doesn't Uh, even like – like okay when you look at Tyreek Hill you can kind of see his speed you know yeah. in in the way he looks and when you look at like you know how Deshaun Jackson used to be like you can see that they're fast
2: They glide. Raheem,
1: Raheem is just a, a thick strong big dude and he I think that's why he creates such bad angles is because people just don't when they look at him and, they, and in the way he runs they don't see his speed it's it's kind of effortless he yeah. makes it look effortless so there's no way you can it simulate it Right, but so last season, in eight games, in eight games, Raheem had 521 rushing yards and 156 passing yards. So, it, just if you doubled that, and obviously football math doesn't work like that, right. he would have gone for over a thousand rushing yards and then over, you know, over 300 passing yards. So, to me, it just means if Raheem plays a full season, it, you know, obviously it all comes down to the health. Then he will.
2: 1400 all-purpose yards is not crazy they just I think they need to get him to 200 carries and that way he's going to average five yards a carry I don't think that's a much of a hot take to say that so he'll be over a thousand if he can get to 200 yards and he's probably going to break a couple of these screens for big gains and that was the case in 2019 he wasn't really running you know will routes or actual routes but he was just taking screens and check downs and he would break them for long runs and that that's pretty much what i imagine his role would be um obviously i I think they're going to be a little more confident in the rookies receiving skills if raheem can um not double catch the ball do you know what i mean by that yeah oh yeah so that's what he does and there's one example that stands out again because i just watched it against washington where he runs an out route The the angle just erases the angle right away from the defender. He catches it, then double catches it, and it's a six-yard gain instead of a 20-yard gain. So if he could just be consistent in that sense, then, yeah, 1,400 is that we'll be laughing that we we were talking about 1,400, if he can just be consistent with his hands because uh, the running issue, I think that, man, he can turn five into 20 really easily. Um, It's just about... Yeah, catching catching the ball the first time. I think,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. My last prediction was. I'm just going to fire this off real quick. Still on the positive side, but I haven't said anything about the deep. Well, I did say something about the defense being top five. Uh, I think uh, your boy Jason Brett's going to make the Pro Bowl. Woo! All right. I, like I think. It. I mean, I, I could see him getting all if he's healthy. You know, I, I, and again, there's that. I'm going to title this episode if he's <laughs> healthy. Um, I mean, dude, the guy could be all pro. Like, he's just that good. You're just used to not getting to think of him that way because you just don't expect him to play. But, I mean, I mean,
2: how much, how good was he last year in relation to other corners? So, his 2020 was better than Sherman's 2019. And I'm not sure people are aware of that because obviously the 49ers had more success in 2019. And, you know, Sherman. Is this loud, voice person who wants you to know that he's good? But Barret, quiet, humble, uh, he was just lights out. He was like top. T- I know he's top ten in yards per target. Didn't really get a lot of pass breakups and ints. But bringing, circling back to that Bosa guy, and assuming that Kinlaw takes the next step, and hopefully, Ebukam, uh, you know, brings the speed that they need, allows Armstead to kick back in. That way, you have you know four consistent pass rushers who knows what d Ford gives him but if the front four can play anything like anything in the vicinity of 2019 and you have Varette from last year who again was a better version of sherman then yeah I, I would that wouldn't be surprising at all because that'd allow him to play more aggressive to sit on routes and he's not going to have a gauntlet of nuke stefan diggs Devontae adams like those that doesn't exist. Nobody <laughs> has to go through that. So, yeah, man, I, I love that because it's bold, and we actually do get to talk about good things about the defense. He just has to stay on the field. And honestly, I hope the guys in front of him stay healthy as well because if if we're talking about a healthy 49ers team come November, I, I don't think there will be too many losses.
1: Nope. Nope. Hopefully my uh, my positivity did not gross you guys out.
2: Uh, you know
3: but i did
1: i again i did agree with even though it was technically kp's uh kp's prediction but yeah the corner situation I, i it doesn't take any anybody to know that that could very easily just explode in their face but uh we'll see we'll see we'll see that's what it's all about but i don't know man you got anything else
2: no, man, we think we, we did it. We did a good job. You know, we We're did always, the thing. The 49ers are going to give us something else to talk about next time.
1: Don't you yep, worry, they man. will. They fucking will. You know it. But apparently Jason Brett's out there trying to recruit Melvin Ingram.
2: Yeah, do it. Bring I'm, him on. I'm, I'm a bit surprised
1: rushing. he's I mean, I guess this last couple of years there was a lot going on. A lot of struggles, uh, both with quality of play and injuries and stuff. But yeah, they're um, buddies too. Right. But I mean, if if a guy goes this long without being signed, you know they, they just get cheaper. So,
2: how do you think could, like an EbuCom or an Armstead feel about that when they see that when they see their teammates? Hey, come play with us.
1: I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess maybe taking my could, spot. I know they could justify it in their own mind, given that that Willis just got suspended for six games, and you know it would be wow. easy for Ebucom to say, oh, they're just bringing him in here to. <laughs> To uh to take up Willis's snaps. They're
2: bringing Melvin Ingram in to take Jordan Willis. Uh I, yeah. want, I want whatever <laughs> he's drinking, if that's the case.
1: Right, right. Hey man, when it comes to uh just keeping up your own mental stability, you'll you'll convince yourself of whatever you gotta convince yourself of. But that would be a perfect tr-
2: fit, by the way. Like signing a Melvin Ingram. Like he does exactly what they want to do on defense. So do it. Go for it.
1: Do it. Yeah, do it. I think the, I wonder why. Just last little thing. Do you think uh, there's any significance to the 49ers having not signed Trey Lance yet? Have any of the top quarterbacks signed?
2: I don't believe so. Maybe that's what it is. Even. Maybe it's the domino effect because there are other first rounders getting signed left and right by the day, it seems like. But no, I, don't, I really don't think so. Okay. Maybe they were. Maybe they're just waiting on signing bonus, and so they can write down the language, or who knows. But it should. I imagine it's coming.
1: Also, shout out to the uh, the Suns for ending a, a playoff game with an alley oop. Like that oh, is man. so damn good. Now on that play, though, he has to
2: have his hands off the ball before the clock expires, right? So I I think yes. And by the way, it took like point .2 off, which, sure, whatever. Uh, the, reviews the, the reviews toward the end of that game was pretty ridiculous. But somebody was trying to say it was – the Clippers were saying goaltending, but he just threw him the ball. So, that no, it's not goaltending. No, it's not uh, goaltending. It's an alley-oop. Like, and yeah. the only reason he
1: didn't dunk it like how they would normally would because he wanted to get his hands off the basketball. Right. You know, so, yeah, no, they're definitely not goaltending. But that's a badass way to end a game that you don't really see that often. You know, it's it, – it seems like maybe it could be underutilized. You know, obviously, I told you before this. I'm not a huge basketball guy, but it's like all you got to do is put the ball near the rim, and the dude should be able to kind of get it in there. And right. it's just an interesting way of going about it. But, anyways, go on. I yeah, I think we're good, bro. That was that was that was too easy. That flowed right out right out the lips there. Love it. But, love it. Yeah, so I guess we're uh, we're back on here Thursday. Hopefully, when we go back and listen to the recording, there's not any of KP's patented pending uh, buzzing noise. Uh, if there is, we'll probably just I don't know, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure it out. But um, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thanks you for uh, thanks for listening to Striking Gold. Thanks for making it what it is. Thanks for all the support. Uh, it's it means a lot. It means a lot. Like I said, we there'd be no point to getting on here and doing this if y'all weren't propping us up and making striking gold and blue wire what it is. Cause it's been a little, been a crazy little ride. Um, But that's it for today. Make sure you're following KP on Twitter at KP underscore show. He tweets all the time, Uh um, nonstop, super funny. Like he's just easily the most entertaining Twitter feed you'll, you'll follow. So, Uh, and then you'll get about the same with me. There's just, if there's nothing to talk about, I'm probably not tweeting. So that's just the way it is. But, Follow us on Twitter, do that thing. Give us a rate, give us a review, give us a subscribe, give us a download, all those good things. Um, but again, appreciate you guys. This is Striking Gold. That's KP. I'm Rob, and we are signing out.